Thank you, uh, Mrs. Crosby and the team for putting uh, that together. And I, like Pastor Paul, want to welcome all of you that are here this morning, not only here in the auditorium, but those of you that have joined us in the overflow and those of you that have joined us online. We're delighted that you're with us. We're so excited that God has granted us this facility, and it's a delight this morning to have our architect, uh, Emma's with us this morning, and Graham, who is a project manager with Indwell's with us, and so we're thankful that they're here. They're actually living right now, they've done this a few times, next door to us in the apartments for a week, and so they're there, and so I believe you're living in the space that's furnished that we're going to see after for those of you that want a tour after. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, beginning at verse 1, the verses will be with me here on the screen, I believe. The Word of God says this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Notice how this psalm starts. Sing, rejoice, worship. Gather before your God and celebrate him. Because he's done marvelous things. The psalmist encourages us to sing a new song. To declare to God the things that we're seeing him do marvelously and wondrously. And then he says this, his right hand, God's right hand, metaphorically in scripture, is about his unstoppable might. God's unprecedented, unparalleled power. That's God. God has an unparalleled power, an unprecedented might. That's our God. And his right hand and his holy arm, perfectly. His holy arm represents that God perfectly, fully, without spots or blemish. God has done what? He's worked salvation for him. Now, not that God needed saving. What God is saying, what the psalmist is saying here, is that God has worked out a way for salvation. He's worked out a way for us to be saved. What is that, what is that way? Well, we know the story. God created us. We chose to rebel against God. In our choosing to rebel against God, our sin has eternally separated us from God. And our sin accuses us and condemns us. Satan can accuse us because of our sin, the enemy. Our sin can condemn us. God granted us the law to show us that we could never keep his holy, righteous commands. And as we fumbled through trying these attempts to keep the law, God then, in the perfect time, sent his son, our Savior, Jesus. Jesus came down, cloaking his deity with humanity, lived among us, never sinned, never did anything wrong, and at the end of his life, chose to give his life up for us on the cross, the Father's wrath being poured out on him. Three days later, because he'd done nothing wrong, he was raised to life again. And we know that we can trust him because Satan could not accuse him. Sin could not condemn him. He'd done nothing wrong. And death could not own him. That is our Savior. Satan could not accuse him. Sin could not condemn him. Death could not own him. That's why John, as he writes his gospel, we looked at this last week, we looked at what it means that Jesus is the bread of life after feeding the 5,000. What does it mean that he then declares himself the bread of life? You see through the gospel of John, John says this in John 20, that he wrote this gospel so that we would believe. And you see the theme of belief all through the gospel of John and the famed verses, right? John three sixteen, that for God so loved the world 
That verse should astound us not just because the world is so big, but because the world is so bad. It's not just about the breadth of the expansiveness of humanity. It's also about the depth of the depravity of humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone, anywhere, anytime who believes in him will not perish, will not be cast out, will not be set aside from his presence, will not perish, but will have eternal life. And we become his children, children of God. God has provided salvation by his right hand, by his mighty arm. So we sing to the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. David Platt says this. Jesus has offered us a new identity, his identity, no longer separated from God, but now united with God, no longer stained by sin, but now clean from sin, no longer slaves, but now free, no longer guilty before God as judge, but now loved by God as Father, no longer deserving eternal death, never to grasp all that God has created us to be, but now having eternal life, experiencing more and more exactly who God created us to be. God is able to save his right arm, his unstoppable might, allows his work to penetrate our hearts and lives to anyone's heart, to anyone's life, anywhere. He is unstoppable, he is God, and he delights to save, he loves to do so. He's made a way, verse two, and he's made his way known. And so the Lord has made his salvation known. He's revealed his righteousness to the nations. He's remembered his love and faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. God chooses to declare his salvation through us to the world. Sometimes verbally, sometimes through proclamation. But at times God does it through his mighty acts through us. It was back in 2002 that a group of us realized that the facility we were in over at 383 Houston wasn't, wasn't going to be accommodating. I remember when I was called to this church, 27 years ago, I came to this church as a volunteer. That's how I arrived here. I came with the people that were here, and, and I was here to volunteer, just to help. And so I, I came here. I remember going through the facility. I thought, oh, this is very similar to the church I grew up in, except there was no basement. And we went down to the basement. It's predominantly dirt. If you never saw the basement, you missed a spectacular sight. And so you'd go down into the basement. You'd be like, wow, there's not like a really good foundation here. This isn't great. And, uh, and I remember in those early years praying, Lord, like, God, you've got to provide something for this church that will last for the next generations. That was my prayer 27 years ago as a volunteer. Through that year, the pastor of the church at the time, Pete Wright, resigned recommended I become the pastor of the church, but I was 22 years old. And I remember walking through that facility saying, Lord, you got to do something with this. Like, this isn't going to work out forever. And then we began to continue to meet in there. I became the pastor. The church continued to grow under God's blessing. And I remember in 2002, the, the, the auditorium would hold 146 or so people packed right out. And I remember being like, wow, what do we do now? Like, like some Sundays were full. And, you know, we then began to think through God, what would you have next? In 2005, we created two services. Did that for a season. That was exhausting. Um, came out of that. We just weren't big enough, right? We couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't, we didn't have the capacity to, to continue to maintain that. In 2006, we launched a capital campaign. We had, in 2005, engineers, architects, we had specialists all go through the old building and say, what do we do with it? And they said, all of them equally said, tear it down. In fact, I'll never forget, I preached in Sarnia, 
uh, at a large church there, a gentleman who was at that church said, I'm coming to Hamilton. I specialize in renovations. I'm going to tell you that you can salvage this building. You can put a basement under it. You can have a church. You can have a bigger church. We can do everything you want, right? Cost effectively. He went through the whole building, went through the basement. He spent hours and hours. At the end, I said, what do you think? He said, I need some food. So we went to Swishelli, him, his wife, and I. We were sitting there eating. He said, it is not cost effective for you to renovate this building. You got to get rid of it. I said, what? I said, you specialize in this. He said, I do. In my specialist expertise, you got to get rid of it. Right? When we hired our first architect, he went through the building and said, I'm not sure how secure this basement is. That was incredibly comforting. And said, we should be reinforcing it. So in 2006, everybody realize how long ago that is? God called us to launch into our capital campaign. At that time, we didn't know where we were going. We actually had planned to buy the seven homes immediately around us, the six homes immediately around us, and put up a 250-seat auditorium right there. We called it this. Are you ready? Houston, we have a problem. Now, that was corny. I'm not saying it wasn't. Houston, we have a problem. Anybody remember? Some of you remember this. Come on. Houston, we have a problem. And it was everywhere. Houston, we have a problem. We lived through the corniness of 2006. And we were praying for 3.8 million to do what God called us to do. And that seemed like an impossible task. In 2010, we were praying where God would bring us to be. Paul Havercraft had started on staff at the time, and he had helped us create an overflow into the back room. And we were averaging like 170 to 180 people in that old facility, 140 in the front room. We would average 30 to 40 people in the back room. Sometimes we'd bump the whole facility up. We'd hit 200 one week. We'd be like 198. And the next week we'd drop right back down to like, you know, like numbers would just drop, right? Because we couldn't sustain them in that building. It just, we couldn't, it was just too small. There was no, the foyer space in that building was as small as the two entrance spaces here. That was the foyer we had for everybody to congregate after. And so we're Lord, like, Lord, what does this look like? And so we began to pray and we were at an elders meeting. Stephen Burt will remember this. I don't remember. Pete, I'm sure you were there then too. And we're, we're there and we're praying about what we're going to do and what that's going to look like. And do we go back to two services? Do we do this? Do we do that? And then I don't remember who said it, but one of us was like, you know, we should be renting a facility in this neighborhood. We should just look for any rental facility in this neighborhood and then we'll go into there and stay as one congregation. I'll never forget Bert, who at times was a quieter elder, um, but always very wise. And what he said, we had this thing called fist of five. If you were in, you put your fist in. If you were all in, all five was up. And I remember we talked about the Lord doing this. We had hours of conversation. It was part of an elder's retreat. I think it was in Paul Havercross living room. And all of a sudden, Bert just did this and said, that is what God wants us to do. So we started to look. Right? We looked at everything. We talked to La Union Station. We talked to the Chamber of Commerce. Like, we talked to everyone about what we could rent down here. Then we talked to the school board. The school said, you can rent our facility, but it will be like between the, the gym rentals and stuff, it will be about 30, at that time, 33000 grew to about $38,000 a year. So we wrote our letter. We got the gyms during the week for free because of the programming and the community-mindedness of it. And so we wrote for Sunday morning, expecting a $33,000 bill. And at the end of the bottom of the moment of the $33,000 bill of the, of, the, of, the, of the permit they gave us, it said total amount due equals zero. Thank you for your partnership with the Board of Education. The next year they honored us as the partner of the year for the Board of Education in front of all our other partners, in front of all kinds of uh, uh, faculty or, 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 or teaching um, 
um, professionals from the Board of Education. 2011, we were honored as the, as, the, as the charity of the year by them at a meeting that I got to go to and say a few words and, and, and talk about. And the Lord provided that facility. For, I remember when we got the bill, I called, the director then was Chris. I called him and said, hey, Chris, thanks for the bill. He said, did you like it? I said, well, I said, I'm nervous about it. He said, why are you nervous? I said, I don't in any way ever want you to think that what's happening on Sunday isn't what's happening. This is not a gym night where we do a 10-minute devotional. This is not a, this is church. I said, you know, we're going to actually worship God in song. We're going to pray to God. We're going to read the Bible. He said, Dwayne, stop, 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 stop. He said, I may not be a believer, but I know what church is. I'm the director of education for Hamilton. I get this, man. This is what he said on the phone to me. He said, our board has never had a partner as strong as Houston Street Baptist Church ever that we can name in our history. For you, the school is free. We had to create a formalized partnership agreement that was multi-pages long about the things that we would do for the school, the things that they would do for us. Right? I mean, even as part of that, we were going to leave these red chairs at the, at the school. These are not the ones you'll be sitting in next week, by the way. There'll be something different every week. It's going to be exciting. At least for the first few weeks. There will be a point in time where there will not be new things happening every week. Um, but when they said to us, we don't need all these chairs, we bought them some plastic chairs, 60 of those, and we took these ones back. That was part of the deal because as part of the agreement, we were leaving these chairs with them. That same year, we began to look at properties. We looked at this property. We met with the owners. We had some meetings. We got a real estate agent involved, and the building wasn't for sale. They didn't want to sell it. That was at Christmas. They told us that definitively. Like, this was, just, this was just not for sale. And so we went to prayer and said, okay, God, would you provide this building? We took three months and fasted and prayed. Now, we didn't fast the whole three months. We'd have looked very differently then. We, we fasted intermittently through that time. And as we fasted, we said, God, would you give us this building? I took them a really nice big box of Walker's chocolates. And said, thanks for, you know, thinking about us and being willing to consider this. And partway through the three months, they called us and said, we'd like to sell it. It was a hard building for them to sell because this was the last building, the company who owned it, that their dad built while he was alive. And it's why they'd kept it for so long. It was the last building he had ever built. In 2011, we got a, a bill. Um, not a bill, but we got a... a, a a letter from the Ministry of Environment telling us that we'd cleaned this place up to satisfactory levels to be able to build a church on it. I don't often name people in, in messages like this, but I am going to name someone. I've done it recently as well because he passed away at Easter. But I remember in 2010 when God had provided us with enough money to buy this property for $1.3 And I desperately was praying for the dollar deal. Like, you know, you hear those stories? Bill Vortman, who helped start Vortman Cookies, was standing on that corner with me. And he said to me, Dwayne, he said, I want you to know this. Sometimes God gives the dollar deal. Sometimes God gives the money. God's given you the money. Don't be short-sighted on what he can do in this building for the next hundred years. I was walking through the building this week with his son, Calvin, that many of us know. And we were talking about that. And Bill looked at me and said, I want you to know I'll be a part of this. And he was. And um, I remember the day he passed on, um, Calvin sent me this long text about his dad having passed on. And uh, talked about how fond he was of this ministry. And how much he loved this church and what God was doing here. Because God indeed is good. 
In 2016, I met with Graham, who's here this morning, and Jeff. We drove all through this neighborhood and said, what do we do? Our people are being displaced. There's gentrification happening. God, what would you have us do? And we sat maybe right here. I don't know where exactly, but somewhere in the back parking lot of this building, fairly close to it. The building was further up. And, and we sat in the back lot, and we were just saying, okay, Lord, what would you have us do? And Graham and Jeff said, well, you can talk all you want about the buildings you don't own and the properties you don't own. What about the one you do? And I said, there's no way. We've, like, literally, we're going to get the permits like this week, next week. There's no way the church will go for this. They think we're, we've lost our minds to put housing in our church. The elders took a month to pray about it. At the first elders meeting, when I said it, one of the elders said, never on God's green earth will we put housing in our building. That was the exact words. Never on God's green earth. Well, the Lord changed all of our minds. The next month we gathered together after having prayed. I don't know if it was a month or three weeks. I was looking through all the notes this week and I couldn't find the exact timeline. But we gathered and we'd all moved from a no to a yes. We began to have that conversation within Dwell. We invited the congregation. And in 2016, this was going to be a $16 million facility. And then in 2017, we called it a $17 million facility. And then in 2020, through the pandemic, when it was a 21 million dollar facility god provided two million and fifty thousand dollars because he's god and in march and april and may that's what god did he provided two thousand and fifty dollars and then when the building went up again to 22 million god has provided in july and august like dave heska shared earlier another two hundred and seventy thousand dollars in unpledged gifts of money I, i get to see this behind the scenes But I want to tell you that God's right hand that grants salvation, his holy arm that ensures that it's perfect, who then makes his salvation known and reveals his righteousness to the nations, that that God who was at work then is at work now. That God who provided that school for free for all of those years, that God who allowed us to be to be uh, purchasing a facility that wasn't for sale, that God who provided $2,050,000 through the pandemic is still our God, and he longs to declare his might to the nations. To the nations. It's why when we were moving into this facility last year, and the Board of Education called me and said, can we meet? And I'm like, sure. And so I met with a couple of people from the board and the local principal, and we're sitting there in this, this meeting, and they're like, Dwayne, we're really concerned. I'm like, about what? We're concerned that when you move into this new building, you'll no longer help the school out the way you help the school out, that maybe you've just done it because you're in the school. And I said to them, we did this decades before we were in the school. We will do this long after we're out of the school. And they said, well, as we renovate, we feel really bad, but you can't meet here. We'll store everything but the baptismal tank, because we don't know what to do with it. You've heard me share this, but the principal's a believer, and she shared, well, we can store the baptismal tank. Every Wednesday at the school is Revival Wednesday, and any kid that comes to faith in Christ, I baptize, so we use it. And the two board members were just stunned looking at us. And she said, I'm kidding. I'm joking. We don't do that. Right? Um, But they've talked about, will the graduation be here this year? Can they use this for sporting events? And we're like, of course you can. We can figure all of that out. Because God has made his salvation known. He's revealed his righteousness to the nations. And right now we're praying for another $630. And what do I believe? I believe, verse 3, that he has remembered his love and his faithfulness not only to Israel but to us so that the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That's what I believe. That God who called us to this is seeing us right through this. I'm actually believing, and you can pray with this with me, that in the month of September, the Lord will provide a million dollars for this campaign. He can do that. 
because he delights in saving his people. It's his salvation granted to us. He delights in allowing his honor, his fame, his glory, his name to be revealed to all the nations. He does that through his mighty acts, first to Israel, now to us. And this has become a witness. Last year in 2019, in January, you know, we were awarded at the Medical Staff Association for teaching faculty throughout the, the city of physicians as their charity of the year. The first time they'd ever awarded it to a church in their entire history. One of the speakers that night, the plenary speaker, we've connected with. And this week he sent me an email, just this week, saying, Dwayne, because we've had him into staffings, uh, we've talked to him, he's not a believer yet. And he said, we could use your help. As he and I have talked, he'll tell you this. Never did he think he'd be extending outreach to churches like he's doing now because of our involvement with them. Dwayne, we could use your help. Can you, can you connect with me this week? And where's the building? He doesn't even know where the building's at. I'm like, come see the building. We'd love to meet and connect with help. I want you to meet the workers from Indwell that are in the building so that we can do this together. We can do this together. And as God declares his salvation, what happens? Listen, verse 4. So shout for joy to the Lord of the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with your harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains together sing for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. The Lord has made his salvation known. John Piper says this. I love this quote. Missions is not the goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. God longs for us to declare who he is to the nations. He longs to save a group of people who will worship him and be in relationship with him so that out of that relationship and his mighty acts and deeds that he does in and through us, the world looks and says, I cannot explain who you are. I cannot explain why you live. I cannot explain what has happened except God himself is there. That's the only explanation. God is with you. That's the only explanation. God is there. And so all of nature, all of creation, all of his people together declare the greatness of our God. And there's still a hurdle. Like this month, a $630,000 hurdle. Can I tell you what happened last month? We, we knew this other big bill was coming in that was due in September. And one of the donors who had pledged $250,000 in June and gave it, or July and gave it, and then it pledged the other $250,000 for December, emailed or texted me, I don't remember which, and said, hey, I've got the money now. Can I give it now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then another donor, right, that was going to give $50,000 later this year, sent a check, and it was for $60,000 because he had the money now. And the Lord provided that over $300,000, and then this $270,000 in unpledged gifts, a bunch of it already in donations, and the money we had in the bank to cover this last bill. Because God indeed is good. He indeed is great. And in ways that only he is able to orchestrate, in ways that only he is able to work, in ways that only he is able to move, he longs to prove himself as God and declare his salvation to all people. So together with all of creation, we can gather and worship our king. And then as I close, the psalmist says this, for he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness. 
and he will judge the people with equity. He is a good, just judge. I've said this so many times, but God is always, only, ever against evil. Now, we think that's good news until God defines evil, and we don't. But God is only, always, ever against evil. And one day he will come and judge. But here's the good news. For anyone who has believed on him, for anyone who has trusted on his name, for anyone who has not only seen the salvation of our God but believes in him, they are welcomed as his children into his kingdom, not because of what they have done, but because of what he has done. And he is a good God. Today we're going to celebrate communion. If you didn't pick one of these up on your way in and you want to celebrate communion with us, they're in the foyer. Some of them are right here on the sound table and you can pick one up as we start the first song. Jamie and Jason, you guys can come up. You do need to shake them. Just telling you that. It's very helpful. Um, or it doesn't taste quite juicy. Um, and what do we celebrate right now? We celebrate that God's right arm, his holy arm, has made a way. Is that not good news? We celebrate that when we had no way, Jesus said, I'll, I'll make a way. I'll come down. I'll live this perfect life. I'll be here. And that's what he did. He provided a, a way. This, this celebration, communion, that reminds us of his broken body, reminds us of his incarnation, his body. That's the wafer, the bread. Reminds us of his body, of him coming down. This, this communion, this cup that reminds us of his blood that was shed. It celebrates Jesus who's provided salvation. And who longs for his salvation to be declared to all the people. That's our God. Today, if you're a believer, we invite you to take one of these cups. And in a moment to open it up and to take this wafer. And this juice and remember the salvation of our God. If you're not a believer, we invite you just to watch as we participate, to reflect on the words of the songs that are being sung. But if you're a believer today, we invite you to join us. As we come to celebrate him today, we celebrate the Lord Jesus, whom we sing to, whom we glorify, whom we worship, because he is saved. So through this first song, I invite you to just take a few moments and reflect. And as you reflect and you're at the point where you're like, Lord, I want to celebrate you right now. I invite you to just on your own to open this up and to take the wafer and drink the cup. And on the way out, there's a container in the hallway or a second container. You can just drop that in on the way out. But would you pray with me? You are God. You are good. Today we celebrate your goodness, your grace, oh God. We celebrate your hand of provision, your hope. We are so thankful, Father, that you loved us so much that we, you sent your Son. And we're so thankful, Jesus, that you came. You lived. You died. You were resurrected. You're alive now, forevermore reigning. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you're the one who draws us to the Father through the Son. We thank you that you are in our midst right now. You're here right now, Spirit of God. You're in us. You're at work. And so today, God, we celebrate you, Jesus, thanking you for your sacrifice as you remember your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, and your resurrection that declares that you'd done nothing wrong, that Satan could not accuse you, that sin could not condemn you, that death 
could not own you. You are alive now and forevermore. We celebrate you, praising you in Jesus' name. Amen.